if you're not careful, the next thing you know, you're spending more and more time on the implementation itself versus leveraging the data from yeah. it. Whether yeah. it's issues that come up, things that break, new things to add, um, actively making sure that you're not spending time on the implementation, but actually using the data that comes from it. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Um, did I tell you how we're uh, we're cleaning up my my parents' house and mm-hmm. restarting the process? Yeah. Um, so of course, as we're starting to go through stuff, I came across um, some pictures from when I was like two years old. And if it weren't for the clothes from the early '80s, you would think I was my son. Like he's my mini me. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, you see it more when you look back at my childhood pictures than, than now, but I'm like, oh yeah, he's my mini me. Yeah. That is super fun. <clears throat> I, I can't remember if I told you, I found this old picture of my grandpa and me, we were on a fishing trip um, and we're standing outside this pasture and holding my fishing pole and I got my hat on and I, and nice. I had it, I had it kind of up on my like tape to one of my monitors and uh, one day my son comes in. He's like, "Oh, that's me," because <laughs> he does. It looks it looks just like him. So I'm yeah. like, "No, it's not, but it's close." <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So what else is new? Uh, you know, is I've been trying to really organize some stuff around the podcast, and mm-hmm. you know, I really want to 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 polish it up. You know, continue to make it better. It, it's always going to be a work in progress and, and improving it. Um, that being said, though, as I look back to some of the early stuff that, that we did, like it's, um, you know, we've come a long way. It, yeah. It's always nice yeah. to look back and you know, we, we've definitely come a long way and there's a ways to go. Um, there, there's more we can do to, to really polish polish this up. For sure. And it's always a, it's always a work in progress, right? Hopefully yeah. that you're, you're constantly getting better and it's getting smoother. And, and we've talked about it. I, I've talked about this visual of the, the, this hallway in Omniture back in like 2004, 2005, where they had all of the different home pages printed out and framed. Mm-hmm. And it's like going back and looking at those first couple were like so cringeworthy and laughable how bad they were, but you have to start somewhere, right? Like we all start yeah. somewhere and, we, we think that, oh, people just figure it out and people are just amazing. And the first thing they put out there is perfectly polished. And it's just not true. Like it takes time to hone your craft and then get better. So it's, you got to start and you got to kind of, kind of have to laugh at some of those, those mm-hmm. early offerings, but that's how you get to, to where you are today. And you keep yeah. going. There's no, there's no end. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I, I look back at some of the early ones and this isn't necessarily my topic. It's just one of those things like the, the last two weeks I've really been trying to focus on what do we need to do next to polish it up? And I do, I think back, like one of the biggest things is, is um, the, the flow that we have. Mm. Um, like we were so stiff. 
we were yeah. trying to come up with like the perfect polished answer or the perfect polished um response yeah um so that i think i think we've gotten much better we've gotten much more relaxed and yeah. talk much more off the cuff it, it feels more organic and natural um i think the video feed has helped tremendously um because mm -hmm. i think we were probably trying to be overly polite we didn't want to step on someone's toes or you know and we had no idea there were no like gestures to say okay jim's wrapping up a thought or i can jump in here and so it was just kind of more mechanical um and i think the act of just adding the feed even even when we weren't publishing the feed it helped to make the conversation flow a bit more naturally mm -hmm. yes so, but yeah, it, it continues to be a fun project, a way that we can share our thoughts. And we talked about this on the, the 150th episode before my connection completely cut out. Um, you <laughs> know, we, we were we, we were talking about how the you know the, the the content we were influenced by, and it's something you and I have talked about since the very beginning. Is is how do we make sure that there's content out there for those coming behind us? Right, and the, that's one of the things I, I look at. This is as our contribution to that. I mean, is it always strictly analytics? No. Is it is it ever going to be strictly analytics? No. It's we 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 bring that perspective. We talk about what we do. We talk about our craft, but there's more that than that. You know, we talk about like today it's a very analytics heavy topic, but, um, you know, we, we talk about remote work. We've talked about just ways of working um, yeah. and, and things like that. So, I mean, I think it'd be pretty dry if we only talked about, you know, our industry. Well, and it was one of the things we talked about when we talked about how we wanted to create the podcast was the, the visual we've used is you happen to stumble across a few coworkers sitting at a table, you know, talking shop, what would you hear? And it, it's never constrained to such a tight topic. That's, mm -hmm. that's just not how we speak as, as humans. And it's something that, you know, I think we found missing from podcasts was it was just too curated, too produced. And we wanted something that felt just a bit more natural and organic. And, and not only that, from a topic standpoint, um, no one is so singular singularly focused um and i think it makes people more humanistic and more approachable to know that there are things they're interested in beyond just this one topic and i think it would be incredibly boring for us to to keep our topics so narrowly focused to say digital analytics um mm -hmm. i like the i like that we take that perspective because that's the work that we do in day in and day out but there's so many other things that we're interested in and involved in and and I think that's what makes the conversation interesting. And, and I think that's what makes the conversation actually useful and valuable. Actually, hold on for a second. Um, all right. All right. Uh, do I sound okay? Yeah. Yeah, I just realized it was using the wrong mic. It was using the oh. iPod mic. The I mean, mic. it definitely sounds warmer, but it wasn't like it sucked before. No, it, you don't notice it when you're recording. I notice it later when I'm editing. You could you could hear it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, that's that. Your choice to keep it or, or leave it. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So, so so speaking of analytics, I thought of something the other day um, as as we continue one of our topics that's going to span the year and, and even 
beyond that. The idea of sustainable analytics. Mm -hmm. we're, ha we're having active conversations with multiple clients right now about how to make sure that they have a, an implementation that they can maintain, that they can, that, 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 that keeps its integrity. You know, and to overuse the word, something that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. So what I want to talk about today um, is, you know, data that is nothing more than a distraction. So this is something very, very, very focused within that, that particular topic. So and we, we've all experienced this with a client where we know the data that they're talking about is nothing but a distraction. Um it could be data that they've identified as they need to collect, or it's stuff that they already collect that you're recommending that they they deprecate. There, there's no value to it. Um, so, what are some of the things that tell you right off the bat that, that that it's a distraction? Sometimes it's just a gut feeling, but like, what are some more concrete things that tell you right off the bat something is going to be nothing more than a distraction as you try to um, push back on? On a client, whether it's an external client, if if you're if you've got like a third party relationship with them, you're a vendor, uh, you're a consultant, or an internal client, someone coming to you as the analytics owner in the organization, saying we need to collect this. So for me, the biggest indicator is asking how we how we how we are using it, and not how we're planning on using it. Um, that that's a big indicator for me is that. So oftentimes implementations that we've seen over the last, um, I don't know, decade or so, the, the, the issue has always been um, collecting lots and lots of data, but we have no idea how we're going to use it. And, and, and the theory has always been, well, we may need that someday. And, and to me, that, that is the number one, um, number one indicator that the data is, is a distraction and not, not as useful as it could be. The, the analogy that I've started using, and I'm going to present it here for the first time, is think about your pantry in your kitchen. And think about how you buy and stock things in your pantry. And if you find yourself having all sorts of things in there and you're having this conversation with yourself or your spouse saying, well, someday we might need that, or someday I might want to use this, um, what ends up happening? Well, a year from now, you go and clean out your pantry and you find all this food that's now wasted and rotted and no longer stale. good, stale, because it's been pushed to the back of the pantry because, well, we, we had a thought that one day we might need that. It may come in handy. And when you do that, it doesn't become part of your, your flow. And there's something to be said about having something we may need one day. But it only is useful if it is worked into your flow. So speaking, you know, continuing with the food analogy, a lot of people that are kind of preppers and, and think about food, um, food storage, it's not like you go out and buy this whole separate storage of food and lock it away somewhere for where you need it. It's part of their, their workflow and they, they have a storage that they workflow through, they work through and put into their, you know, daily use and then they restock it and refill it. And so they have you know, a supply over amount of time, but it's stuff they're actually using. That's, that's what we need to think about when it comes to data is get away from this like hoarding mentality of, well, one day we might really, really need this food. I'm like, well, yeah, but when that day comes, it's going to be non-edible because we're not using it. We have to use it. We have to make it part of our flow and continually replace it. That to me is the important part of the, the conversation. So probably a long-winded way of answering your question, but to me, it comes down to 
how are we using the data? And if we hear things like, well, we might need it one day, that's a major red flag. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I was going to say too. Like that was the notes I had was the first thing. The minute I hear anytime, like we might need it, we might want it. That's when it's like, you don't need it. Um, it, we could easily wire it up when you do, because you bring up a good point with the the, the food analogy, and then also comparing it to, to, to preppers who do keep a store. They yeah. work their way through it, so then when okay. they actually do need that store, it's not all stale, it's not all bad. Um, it, it, it's the same thing with with data. If you're just collecting it to say we might might need it one day, you're not actually using it. When you actually go to use it, do you know if it's good? Do you know if it's validated? Likely it will be very stale and bad. Just like uh, there will be no integrity because since no one's been monitoring it, you don't know if something broke and now you've been collecting all this data, which is useless anyway, instead of wiring up when you need it and then deprecating it when it's no longer needed. Yeah. And and not only that, there's an opportunity cost to it. Uh, sticking mm-hmm. with the analogy of the pantry, if it's so full of stuff that we might need one day, we have less room to put in stuff that we're actually going to use today. So not mm-hmm. only are we you know, putting at risk that day we need it, that it's not going to be there and available for us, we're, we're actually uh, encountering a, a huge opportunity cost where we're filling up our pantry with stuff that we're not going to use and we're taking up spaces of space of things that we could actually use. And it makes the conversation of, collecting data that is going to actually be part of the business more difficult than it needs to be because we've accrued this backlog. You know, we, we call it technical debt of, of things over the years that we just had to have that we're not using. And now it makes collecting the things we want to collect and actually use that much more difficult and unnecessarily. So. Yes. Agreed. Um, aside from that kind of response, um, what are some of the other things like, are, are there specific examples of this data where maybe that's not the response they're saying we need it because of this, but, and you know, you know, collecting this specific piece of data is, is actually not worthwhile. So I think there's two other things to, to think about. One on the business side is making sure that we're, we're having deep and valuable conversations again about the, the usage. So, um, it's not that we may need it one day, but it's it may not be that we're aligning it with something that's actually going to be valuable. So again, we need to be able to articulate how we're going to to leverage that data. And if it's a, well, it would be interesting to know. Oh, it'd be fun to know. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, but that's not sustainable. So once we get over that fun factor of, oh, that's interesting that someone typed in three characters in a search box. Um, once we get over that, then it's no longer usable and it becomes again dated and stale. So we, we have to actually um, be in a position to articulate how we're going to leverage it to make business decisions. That's, that's number one. Uh, and number two is something that I've started talking about more recently. And that is actually making sure the data we're capturing is aligned with, with the actual business needs. And it's one of my fears and I don't want to go too far off topic here. And maybe we can have this as a follow-up conversation but it's one of my fears of a move towards server-side data collection. And we've seen hints of this where IT and um, engineering organizations have owned implementation client-side in the past and just look at the data they collect. It's it's everything that's aligned with, with what's important to them. It's page speed. It's, 
It's, you know, all of these like technical measures and not that those are bad measures, but when it's so bloated and heavy to something that is in, is not necessarily directly aligned with business outcomes, that's also a concern to me. So if, if we're constantly capturing things like, like that, um, and again, I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear that things like page speed and those other things are not necessarily bad measures. They're actually very good measures as long as they're within the context of why we're measuring it. If it's just page speed for page speed, which is what a lot of technical organizations measure for, it's a pretty worthless method, worse, worthless set of data to the, the marketer or the business owner. But if we can tie it to something like, well, what we found is that if the page loads in two seconds rather than one, conversion rate goes down by 50%. Okay, now we're talking. But very rarely does that conversation and that gap get get bridged. Um, so I'm kind of meandering all over the place. But I think for me, the big the big um, science to look out for really come down to utilization of the data. How are we going to use this data? And and the plans that we put in place and the frameworks we put in place to leverage the data to make the business more informed really should be driving that implementation rather than the other way around, which we see far too often. Oh, this would be interesting to capture. Oh, we may need this one day. Oh, you know, site speed is very, very important to us. Okay, well, let's articulate why, and then we can capture it. Yeah, and as we've mentioned multiple times before, on the implementation side, you have people that like to experiment. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. Like, oh, that would be cool to collect and it would be cool to implement as well. Yeah, it would be fun to build that. It, that's an yeah. interesting challenge. And where I've really had to um, focus on is when we get those things is stop with the gut reaction of, oh, that would be cool to build. You're mm -hmm. right, that would be cool to have and it'd be fun to, 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 to implement as well. And ask the, those questions of what are you actually doing with this? What are what are the concrete plans? Um, it's something Hill and I have really tried to to move forward with in some of our engagements. Is is when these things come up, one of the outcomes is is a concrete use of the data, yeah, and that actually goes into the work of that. There's there's two pieces of it. There's the actual implementation, but then the actual integration and adoption of that into active data use um, so that it isn't something that's a shiny new toy. And then four months down the road, everyone's forgotten about it. Yeah. And, and to me, the activation of it is, is really where the conversation needs to be because the reality is, is that it's all very expensive and um, that's fine as long as we're getting value out of it. So again, I don't want to overhark on things like page speed and things like that, it's just it's expensive to capture it. And if we're not going to activate it and use it, it just becomes something that we're paying to maintain that we're not getting any value for in return. So so to me, that's really where the conversation needs to center around is, is how are we activating this data? You know, I'd love to buy an airplane, but I'm probably not going to do anything with it because I can't fly it and it's going to cost me a lot of money. Right. Like mm -hmm. just think about like buying a car or an airplane, even if you never take it out of the hangar or take it out of your garage it's, it's expensive. I have to pay for it. I have to, I have to pay taxes. I have to pay somewhere to house it. I have to pay, you know, maintenance fees. I have to, even if I never move it anywhere, it's very expensive just to maintain it, just to sit there. And that's what we're doing with data all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, one of the root causes, which I don't want to go into this episode, we've already talked about it, is just the barriers. Looking at the barriers over the last 15 years to collecting data, they've the, the, the barriers have been reduced significantly. You know, yeah. you've got tag managers, which make it easier uh, and faster for someone to deploy something. You don't have to go through a major dev project and a dev release cycle um, and have to um, compete with other initiatives for, for a site, for, for an app. Um, you know, you don't have to put your request up against something else, especially something else that's going to directly drive revenue. You don't have to do that anymore. Um, and the, 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 the cost to house the data has come down while it is still there. So people have kind of lost sight of, of it because it's easier. And, and it's more fun, but then the real, the, the cost that we're now starting to have to pay is bloated implementations that the data integrity is not there because a lot of it is not being used. Yeah. You know, I think one of the major contributors to this is the decision from the SaaS vendors to increase the variable slots. I don't think yes. they foresaw it. I don't think they foresaw it as a negative thing, but, um, think back to the early days of digital analytics when like the number of um, variables that we could capture, custom variables we could capture were so extremely limited. It forced us to think much more critically about the data we were capturing. It, it forced us into that mentality that there's, this is a scarcity and mm -hmm. we need to think about sustainability of it because there's not a lot of it. And in those early days, there was a lot more rigor and thought put into what we were collecting and why because of that limit. Well, over the years, as customers have been screaming that we need more and more data slots and the SaaS vendors complying, I think it introduced this challenge that neither the business nor the SaaS vendors thought about at the time was once they did that, it took that constraint away and it took that forced behavior away and now all of a sudden we're in abundance. And when mm -hmm. you think about abundance, Oftentimes there is waste, and I and I I'm sorry for keep going back to food analogies, but I think it's, no, I think it's good. It gives I a think good it's visual. Some, it, it gives a good visual and something that a lot of people can can relate to. So if you think about cultures and societies where there's scarcity, think about how they use food. Um, they use every piece of the animal. They preserve the produce. So you get a lot of canning and pickling and fermenting of things. You get things like oxtail and using the cheeks of fish and all sorts of things, right? Because these, these resources are so scarce that we're forced into thinking creatively about how to use what we have to the, to the max. Now think about societies like the United States today where there's an abundance of everything. How do we cook? Like, just think about how much food we put down the, the, the garbage chute because, you know, it's like, oh, trim the ends off of this. Oh, I don't want that piece of the meat. Oh, I don't need the bones off this carcass. So I'm just going to throw it away. Someone living in scarcity would be freaking out seeing us do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have so much abundance that it's like we don't even think about it. We don't think about preserving every little piece of that food that we have available and figuring out uses for it. And I think that that's a lot like what we're seeing in analytics during the days of scarcity we were much more, much more creative and thoughtful in using every piece of it that was available to us in a very, very smart way, in a very sustainable way. Now yeah. that there's abundance, ah, it's like, yeah, it's easy. It's just there. Just, you know, buy a whole chicken, carve off a few pieces of it and throw the rest of the carcass in the garbage. 
because there's so much of it. We don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. That's really, I think, unfortunate. And, and you like, I, I remember, you know, having this conversation multiple times years ago with a client or well, not client clients, um, where like you had 50 custom variable slots and that was it. So when you would implement something custom, one of the things was to make sure that it was being used. And if there was no value to it, if it wasn't being used, it was actively deprecated mm -hmm. and not just removed from the UI, but um, the next time they could, they would actually remove the, the tagging from, from the site. Now, again, that, and then you go back to the cost thing. There's the cost to implement it because they had to go through a dev cycle. Yeah. And then if you weren't going to use it, you needed to remove it. So one of the reasons was, is we advocated making sure that you removed it so that you didn't have 10 variable slots. Like, oh, these are old things. Um, we don't need them anymore. We want to repurpose it. Now we have to go back and, you know, change up the business rules and all of that stuff. So like, there's this huge process to, if it's not being used, actively deprecate it. So that slot opens back up for when you do need it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, it's, it's hard remembering those days. Like you had to, mm -hmm. you had to have that much rigor around yeah. your implementation because you could not waste variable slots. And I think it was a very good thing. I would like to see a return to that again. Less is more be able to maintain the things that we, we put out there um, and think more sustainably about it. We, this, this abundance is in, in a perfect world, it's a very, very good thing. We're just not very good stewards of what we have. If we were, if we took better care of the things we had, I think it's, it's fine, but it's clear that we're not very, we're, we're not very good stewards of it. And um, you, you see it all over the place. I mean, we're focusing on, on implementation, but it's really across the entire MarTech ecosystem where there's just, there's just no thought about sustainability. There's no thought about preservation of things because everything is so abundant. It, it reminds me, this was years and years ago, I was working with a company and I was just kind of poking around their, their stack, trying to get an understanding of what was there. I'm like, can you tell me about this tag I found on your, your site? That's really interesting to me. They're like, that's on there? I'm like, yeah. We concluded our relationship with that vendor five years ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh, but again, then again, you know, it's just this, you know, use it and throw it away and throw it out. And there's like, there's no focus on just this minimalism and being able to maintain the, a, a small set of things we have. I, again, I, I would love to see a return to that, you know, more craftsman, like more, uh, more sm smaller, sustainable things and having less but that less creating a lot more value, a lot more beauty in, in our space. Um, and again, kind of talking about going to server side, I, I'm just, I have lots of concerns, but I talked about my, my one concern, but another concern is, well, let's just collect everything. Right. And, and, and again, kind of going down this path, um, what's the end, you know, if we're just going to have so much stuff piled up at what point in time, is it just no longer useful? Um, and maybe it will, maybe it will harken a return back to more modest times. Um, you've kind of seen it in a lot of different arenas you know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to a couple of friends that have vinyl record players and, you know, we, we've kind of gone to the extreme in so many things that there's this pullback where, where people are kind of wanting to go back to a simpler time and enjoy mm -hmm. just the true craftsmanship of things. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, if digital 
does a U-turn and goes back that way. I, I would love to see it. I just, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Oh, it's great. You just gave me this great image when you use the word craftsman the last, yeah. you know, a couple times you used it because the opposite of craftsman is just mass produced, mm-hmm. mass produced, no thought into it. Just stamp it out at volume yeah. um, versus, you know, something that someone has taken time Artisan, to, handcrafted. to design yeah. it. And put a lot of thought into each little each little piece of it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a market for that. Even if even if the whole of the uh, the 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 enterprise doesn't go in that direction, I've got to think that there's a market for that. Whether you're a consultancy, mm-hmm. whether you're a product producer, whether you're software, pro- like I think there's there's probably a, a niche market for people that want artisanal goods that want that handcrafted, you know, old world style. It, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may be more expensive. It may take longer to produce, but I know when I buy it, it's going to last a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Well, in that vein, um, I, 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 I reminded of this Steve jobs story and I've thought about it in a couple different aspects this week. Um, it was in the late nineties when he was brought back to Apple, uh, mm-hmm. when they acquired next and they brought him back, um, to, to, to save them at this point, Microsoft had 95, 98% of the market, the, the, the home computing market, the business computing market. Um, like they had the, the, a, a massive foothold in the market. And I could be over-exaggerating the exact percentage, but like everything was Wintel. Mm-hmm. And it was at one point, I can't remember if it was like a shareholder meeting or something like that. Somebody asked him about you know their spot in the overall market versus you know um microsoft and steve jobs is like we're number one in the markets we compete in Mm. we're number one with educators and schools we are number one with um graphic designers we are number one in uh video creation He's like, we're number one in these markets and these are the markets that, that we play in. And, and this is, you know, to them, like we're serving the market we're here for. And yes, it wasn't the overall market, but where they were focused, they were killing it. Yeah. And I think it's such a good, and we're kind of, we're kind of meandering a bit here, but it's such a valuable, it's a it is a tangent. And I think a real, really, really valuable one is that, we, we get brainwashed with this thought that we all have to be the biggest, you know, we all have to be Microsoft. We all have to be Walmart. We all have to be, you know, we have to be everything young. We have to, you know, and it's just not true. I mean, they fit a, a very real need, but there's also a need for people again, that want a different experience, whether it's the creative that wants a, a more beautiful UI or whether it's a company that wants to work with more of a boutique agency for their their hands-on humanistic approach, or it's someone, you know, our, our, our good buddy Randy's Witch is into building guitars now. Um, I don't know if you're following his journey, I, you know, or, or if it's someone that wants a, a handcrafted work of art, like a guitar or, or something else, there's, there's a market for that. And, and I think we're doing ourselves a disservice if the only thing we're looking at is being the big box player because there's tremendous opportunity to lots of other audiences other than just that big mass audience. 
Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, think about like some of the, 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 the discussions we've had internally about where we as an agency fit, you know, we use the, the hotel experience. Mm -hmm. You have your, your motel sixes and they serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. You have your holiday Inn express. They serve a purpose. You have your JW Marriott and they serve a purpose. And then you also have your small bed and breakfast mm -hmm. and they serve a purpose. You know, they're not going to get the volume that the others do, but they provide a distinct experience and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to provide, and I'm trying to tie it back to our main topic with having everything and collecting yeah. everything. They're not going to provide every service. They're not going to provide every point that the Holiday Inn Express is going to provide or the JW Marriott. That being said, you're still going to get a unique experience and the experience that you want and the things you do get, you, you know, they're, they're of value to you, or at least the person looking to stay to bed and breakfast versus a Motel 6. And comparing the two, there is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with one or the other. There's nothing wrong, you know, with a bed and breakfast versus a JW Marriott. They are two distinct experiences. And, and bringing it back to data that's, that's a distraction, if you're looking for a, a personalized travel experience, you know, when I think of bed and breakfast where I'm at, I think of, you know, the, the stereotypical New England bed mm -hmm. and breakfast. Um, it's just, it, it's the image that comes to mind. And um, if, you, if you want that kind of experience but go with the mass produced hotel chain. There may be a lot that you get as part of that stay, but a lot of it's going to go to waste. Right. No. And I, I think that's a great point. It comes down to setting expectations and again, being deliberate and having that conversation of what experience you want, what you need. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think lots of businesses are not having that conversation and the default of, well, just collect everything is like saying, well, we're going to show up at this hotel, but we're not, we haven't de de designed what it is we want. And then what ends up happening? Well, a lot of the amenities that we pay for go to waste because we're not using them because we didn't design that as part of our experience or we're upset because we're not getting some experience that we thought we wanted to be getting. It, it all comes down to just to being deliberate and designing why we're using that data. And again, that's why I loved in the early days having been forced into having that conversation. Um, we could all benefit from a, a return to that, if nothing more, to help rewire our brains to think more critically about, well, what do we want? And, and the default of, well, we want everything We've learned from experience that we may think we want everything, but rarely is it fulfilling. And to your point, often it goes unutilized um, and mm -hmm. forgotten. And then it just wastes away. Yeah. And we end up paying for it and never using it. It's a, it's a cost that we, we often don't recognize, but mm -hmm. it's absolutely there. I'll be honest I, with you. I, I mean, I think that's it, right? Like we can, I think continue. that's it. Like, <laughs> I think that's it. We can, we can continue to kind of pull it out. But I, I mean, I think that that's the nugget that we've un, uncovered is that it's about being purposeful in, in collecting things that we're going to, to actually use. Um, and I just had a thought of the hoarder episode and you talking about hoarders in the past and I kind of shuddered a little bit inside. Um, <laughs> Right. So I mean, whatever analogy works for you, there's a cost to all these decisions we're making. Let's get smarter about, again, if you want to collect stuff, collect stuff. 
but collect stuff you're actually going to use. Don't just stick it in the shelf and have it get pushed to the back of your pantry so that three years from now you find it, you're like, what the hell did we put in this jar? I don't even know what this is anymore. It mm. looks like rice, but hell if I know, it could be anything at this point. Or like you, you brought up a good thing, you know, hoarders, you know, like, um, you know, not only do you waste the stuff that you, you, you want to collect, but don't use, but you actually can spoil the stuff that you have and want to use or you know, the stuff that you want to use and, and have. So like, you know, I had this visual of not only going into the pantry, like, what was this? But, oh, this was blocking something else and right. something else that we forgot about because of this extra right. stuff yeah. went bad as well. Like it's That's spoiling. Yep. Yeah. It's spoiling lots of opportunities, whether it's hiding data that you have that you could actually use or it's taking up space for data that you want to use, but you just don't have a place to, to put it. So hopefully that is resonating with people. I love that analogy because I think it so perfectly fits the, the topic. It does. It does. I, th I think it's, it, it's great. So yeah, I think, you know, I think we, we've, I think we're at a point where we can wrap it up, you know, and we don't need to, to force it go, to go any longer, but no, th this was a lot of fun. I, yeah. I definitely want to continue this series around sustainable analytics because it's not just something we're, we're, we're talking about here. It is something we're actively talking about with clients about having an implementation that they can, they can maintain and use and, the time that they're spending with it isn't maintenance, right? Because that's the that, that's one other thing. I, I keep thinking of other things, but one other thing: as you as your implementation grows, if you're not careful, the next thing you know, you're spending more and more time on the implementation itself versus leveraging the data from yeah. it. Whether yeah. it's issues that come up, things that break, new things to add, um, actively making sure that you're not spending time on the implementation, but actually using the data that comes from it. You're spending way too much time digging through your pantry to find that thing of, of uh, brown sugar that you know that's in there rather than making the cake. <laughs> I, I think this should go into some long form article. I think the analogy is so good. And if it I have any like drawing skills at all, I could think of some fun little visuals that could go with it. Yeah. No, th this is definitely something we need to write up and, and really formalize and really flesh out that that analogy of the kitchen. I'm going to put it into you my know, notion notebook right now so I don't forget it. Yeah. You know, think about it, you know, the, the idea of loading up the kitchen with stuff you may need. And then you're spending, it, it increases the amount of time you need to spend in the kitchen managing what you have instead of using it. It, um, stuff that you don't need could easily block you from getting to the stuff that you do need and both go to waste. Um, and then just stuff, you know, having stuff that, Hey, I may need one day. You're never going to get around to it or using it and it's going to spoil. Yep. I think there's three, there's three facets there. All right. I took some, I took a note to put that into my, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Let, let's write this up. Let's do it. Cool. Let's do it. All right. All right, then in that case, we'll we'll wrap up at this point. And uh, thanks again. And yeah. we'll we'll catch everybody later. Thank you, Dave. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 
33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.